Hey, Rocky Series Podcast, Going the Distance listeners, how's it going? This is your host, Ryan. Welcome to another crossover episode that we do with the Rocky Minute Podcast and the Slycast. That's with Doug Greenberg and Craig Cohen, respectively. Today we are reviewing and breaking down Stop! Exclamation mark, or my mom will shoot. I hope you enjoyed the discussion that we have. Don't forget that if uh, you want to see us and interact with us while we record these episodes live, subscribe to our YouTube page called the Stallone Network Podcast. I say again that it's the Stallone Network Podcast. And you'll see us there. When we uh, go live, you'll get a notification. And we'll also announce it on Twitter and Facebook like we always do. And also, like us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, so you can see our polls for the next January episode. And you can uh, vote of to which film you want us to review. Don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. We've uh, we've only got 19, and I know we have more than 19 listeners. Guys, give us a review on iTunes. And if you don't have an iTunes account or don't want to do it on iTunes, just even leave us a review on Facebook. It helps uh, plug our show and lets family and friends of yours on your Facebook and iTunes listeners uh, give us a listen because we have a few listeners, but we can always use more. And I always say we do this for free. We'll never ask you guys for any money. All we're asking for is a little bit of love, a little bit of review. Save it for the air. <laughs> We're live. Doug, this is your show. You're going to run this. You're going to be the host of this one, buddy. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, that should be the rule. Whoever wins the poll should run the show, so to speak. Not really, but you know what I mean. But, Doug, tell us why we're here. Tell us what brought us here today. Oh, man. I threw up a just a Hail Mary saying my pick for this month was Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, having no idea that anybody would actually vote for it. Of course people <laughs> voted for it. <laughs> why? Why would people vote for that? It's a dumpster. Because they want to see us suffer, Doug. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know of anyone that's going to watch or listen to this episode and not suffer with us. But if if you're going to talk about a Stallone movie, I think next to Party of Kitty and Studs, mm-hmm. this is probably the most embarrassing film Stallone has done that I can it's, think of. Which is funny that you mentioned that because he chose this as his worst film and not Party of Kitty and Studs. I did find that interesting, too. Is he saying that because he doesn't want to talk about Party of Kitty and Studs? Or does he really believe Perhaps. that Party of Kitty and Studs is a better film? I mean, can you really count that as part of his, I mean, it's a, it's part of his official filmography, but he wasn't Stallone yet. You can't really consider that a, a Stallone film. If you go to his official webpage, StalloneZone.com, it's his official webpage. He lists his, lists that movie as one of his official movies on his own website. Yeah, but I mean, the box office of that film, and I use the term box office loosely, wasn't dependent on him being in it. Oh, well, the box office wasn't the only thing loose in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in fairness to Party of Kitty and Stug, movies like that are supposed to suck. Mm-hmm. Stop or my mom will shoot was every intention, at least, you know, everybody on that film was a professional, so they knew what they were signing up for, and they were trying to make the best film they could. All right, let's get down to it. Doug, why don't you intro this movie, what it's about, and who it stars, and all that good stuff. All right, uh, I'm going to jump into one of my classic Rocky Man intros, so uh, <clears throat> let me get prepared here. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> I, we got all night, Doug. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, please, oh. stand by, stand by. <laughs> Welcome to Three Hosts, One Cup, where we analyze the Sylvester Stallone dumpster fire, stop or my mom will shoot one overbearing mother at a time. 
I'm one third of the Triforce of Sylvester Stallone podcasters, joined by my life partners, Ryan and Craig. Welcome, <laughs> fellas. Thank you. <laughs> Doug, that made this whole experience worth it. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, I do my best. I can't go off the cuff like Ryan can. So I, oh, I, I, re- I really silly. Gotta, I got to prepare the way, uh, you know, the way. No, I, no, no. I don't go off the cuff. I got notes too. In fact, Craig might be the only one that doesn't have notes. I, he never <laughs> does. No. He's a consummate professional. I did all my heavy research for when we covered this on Slycast, so it's all still up here. Heavy? <laughs> How heavy are we talking? Okay, so when was this film released? 1992, is that right? 1992. Yep. It was directed by a gentleman by the name of Roger Spottiswoody. Spottiswood, yeah. He went on to direct a, a uh, lot. One of, one of the better Pierce Brosnan mm-hmm. Bond movies, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. And he also directed the Arnold Schwarzenegger clunker, The Sixth Day. Sixth yeah. He, he did a, a few things. What was the, uh, Mel Gibson, Robert Downey Jr. Con Air? Or not Con Air, uh. I've got it in front of me right here. Here's some of his directorial movies here. He did Shoot to Kill. Oh, with Tom Berenger. That's right. Good job. Air America. That was the. Air, oh, that's the one. So that's a, now Air America is not a terrible movie. And that was, it was the film before Stop from My Mumble Shoes. So he worked with the likes of Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. in 1990. And then he went on to work with Stallone and the, uh, Estelle Getty in 1992. So, so look at his filmography though, Ryan. Yeah, I am. There aren't a lot of comedies there or there aren't a lot of intentional comedies there. <laughs> Or unintentional. Yeah. Was Stopper Mom My Shoot officially a comedy? Was that the genre? Yeah, you're playing a fast and loose with the term comedy here. Let's talk about their ages here. I want to talk about Estelle Getty. She was 69 when this film was released. Mm-hmm. And Stallone today is 72. Now, Estelle Getty, as you, of course, know, was from The Golden Girls. And I yes. think it must have made her look older in The Golden Girls than she was in The Golden Girls because... They, they totally did. Okay. Because The Golden Girls was like mid-80s, wasn't it? Like 10 yeah. years before this. Yeah. So she would have been 59 to 60, like early 60s during the Golden Girls. And then in this, she's 69. If I remember correctly, she was either younger or the same age as B. Arthur, who played her daughter on the Golden I, Girls. I was just going to say that. I, th- I oh. think they were, they were very similar in age at the time. Okay. All right. And Stallone during this film was 46. And I've got this weird thing that I do, especially when it comes to the Stallone films in general, because I, I follow his career throughout my whole life. I like to pretend that the age that the actor playing, you know, his real age is the character's age in the movie. And I know you have a bit of a window, but I don't think you can go too far to the left or right without it being obvious that this character is not the age that he's portraying in the film. And I think 46 in this film just barely works. Mm. What do you think? I think it's a little older than, than he should be. Yeah, I was thinking 39 to 42 here. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense than 46. 46? Yeah, he was 46 in this film. No, and I bring that up because she mentioned when they were driving in the car. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) We're jumping in. Well, like we've tried to go in order before, but I think we're just going to do what we always do. We'll talk about scenes. We'll try to go in order. But when it comes to you, just say it because things will come up in your mind about this movie. And I don't want you guys to lose, you know, lose the thought. So here's, here's the thought I had. It's about his age. Of course, this plays into the whole film, the way she babies him right and there's that scene where the airport scene and he's driving and she's so excited to see her son drive <laughs> what i can't get over it you're driving um, i've been driving for 20 years can't help it you'll always be my little joy oh look at that you're driving 
And he's like, mom, I've been driving for 20 years. You know, Ryan math, you know, he's been driving since he was 26. So he's a late, he, he's a late bloomer when it comes behind the wheel. <laughs> so if you get your driver's license at 16, 17, so late thirties, yeah. right? He, okay. Yeah. Look, Sly does not look 36. Let's be honest. No. Do, do we know not. if this movie was written for Stallone? <laughs> do you know this? The, the answer no, to this? I, I don't. It was not. Okay. It was actually Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger famously had a feud going on throughout the eighties, right? It was like a, like a friendly kind of thing, like the bigger box office muscle man. What I have here is Stallone and Schwarzenegger were competing against each other at the time. Schwarzenegger faked interest in this movie in order to make Stallone audition for it. And Stallone, who heard that Schwarzenegger was interested in headlining in this movie, immediately dropped everything and contracted the producer, saying that he wanted to have the headline. <laughs> Schwarzenegger, I, I, I've read that you guys actually hated each other for a while. Well, we were very competitive. Yeah, I think hate's a good word. It is. Come on. Did you ever hate somebody so much? You go, I gotta get to the gym. I got to, and, you know, a musician go, oh, I hate this guy. I'm gonna blow him away next to yeah. the musician. It just was well, like the Rolling most, Stones a, and the Beatles. It, you know, they kept you know, releasing you great they were, like, albums. Drinking buddies. No. Hey, let's they, share a blanket this weekend at the beach. No, I don't think so. That didn't happen. No. no They're trying no. to top each other. So he, no. You no, I really respect this guy. I think, I think he's brilliant. What yeah. he's done, what he's accomplished, he's had three different careers. Oh, he's great. But I want to strangle him. We want to strangle him. <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, you, you would do Rambo, and then he would do Commando. Commando, yeah. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, it was like bingo and dingo yeah, and like, go go <laughs> and bobo. It just kept going. It just kept going. Bingo going. and dingo. That's not. Yeah. You know, you, you just. Yeah, but I heard yeah. that. He, I heard that he tricked you into doing the movies that didn't work. For there you. was a. There's a. There's a thing. You know, when people play prey on your insecurities, when you go, your agent goes. Psh! This movie, got this movie because Arnold's going to do it. I go, really? Arnold's going to? I said, I don't think Arnold can do this one because he's playing like an American cop. They don't have German accents. They just not going to. Because I'm telling you, if you don't do this thing, stop on my mama shoot. He's in. He's in. I go, okay, I'll do it. Thank you, Arnold. Oh yeah. no, no, I didn't have. That's, no. that's the thing you've got to love about Schwarzenegger because if you remember uh, Pumping Iron. There's that scene where he completely psychs out Lou Ferrigno. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. And that is a total another psych job from Schwarzenegger, who is just brilliant when it comes to psychology and <laughs> tricking really Stallone into taking this piece of shit movie. Now, <laughs> I believe Schwarzenegger, and I believe there's probably some truth to this. I did know this story, and I think I've known it for some years now. But my question is, did Stallone read the script? Was this like <laughs> even this uh, Arnold? tricked sly into taking the script wasn't there a reading didn't he like go oh boy i can see why arnold turned this down or was into sorry like i don't understand why his agent didn't say you don't want to do this or did they read the script and say hey we got gold here and we've talked sort of about the pivots that sly's made in his careers and you know especially when you're getting close to 50 stallone obviously lost his way many a time during his career and i think here it was more the opportunity of the door it would open as opposed to the material, because obviously he didn't really give too much of a, a shit about this movie because we know that when Stallone's invested in something, he'll deliver. But when he's not, he'll just read the lines and phone it in and take the money and then go home. I think, honestly, when it 
Sly in this film, he actually showed up, funny enough. As a performer. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of times when you get Stallone in a movie, you're also getting the Stallone, who is a brilliant screenwriter, who, when he's engaged, will sort of, you know, structure a a great story and great character beats. It it almost didn't matter, I don't think, at the time, because they they were in such, like, a heated competition that <laughs> like if if Arnold did show interest in this movie and Stallone had the chance to usurp him it almost didn't matter what the script was he was going way over his head to do it one point Arnold zero sly in this film battle totally yeah now this film made for uh 71 million in 1992 and I did I just quickly did the inflation for if had this film been released today with ticket sales what it would have made 112 million Worldwide. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Seventy point six million worldwide. Yeah, I, I saw I saw forty two point two. Right, but that that was internationally. It would have made one hundred and fifteen million approximately had it been released today with the same amount of tickets sold. Did you see the Rotten Tomato score? Was there a score? Eight percent. Bless the hearts of the of the eight guys or whoever that said, "Hey, <laughs> this is fresh, man. We got we got some gold here." Uh, Siskel and Ebert reviewed the movie as they do. Yeah, or as they did. Our first film, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, is shockingly bad. Or let me put it this way. If this doesn't turn out to be one of the very worst movies of the year, <laughs> it's going to be a very bad year. Think about that. Sylvester Stallone plays a Los Angeles cop afflicted with a visiting nosy old bitty of a mother played by golden girl Estelle Getty. Oh, I see you've given up shaving. No, I shave. Hi, Kitty. So this is little Joey, huh? Looks a lot different in clothes. We've got to be getting along now, too. But thanks a lot for showing us the photos. You know, you look real sexy in those diapers. Breakfast! Mom! Oh, please, you don't have anything I haven't seen before. Another would-be big moment is when Getty walks in on Stallone taking a shower. Here's what his butt looks like. That's entertainment. Pixie and I thought we'd pop into the station this afternoon, you know, see where you work, meet a few of your friends. Oh! Oh! Did you cut yourself? No. And then there's the comedy scene in which she buys him a present to help him catch some gun runners. The present is, oh, you're going to love this, a gun. You bought a machine gun off the back of a van? I tried in the store, but they said I had to cool off. Well, I mean, you go to jail for this. Why didn't you tell me? Because I wanted it to be a surprise. It is. Oh, brother, in all honesty, I was absolutely shocked when I saw Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Where is the humor? Is it supposed to be funny when Getty shoots the bad guy and then swears in exhilaration, an old lady using foul language? Do you know how tired that is? And I really think Sylvester Stallone is breaking faith with his audience. He's too good of a writer himself, the Rocky Pictures, not to know that this script really stunk. It stinks. I think you're even almost being a little bit easy on it. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Okay, I'll see. It has no funny moments. None. It has no interesting moments. None. It has no interesting characters. None. Even the dialogue is done in such a way that the actors themselves seemed almost Tired. embarrassed when they were talking. If this script had been submitted to the half-hour show, The Girl uh-huh. and Girls with Estelle Getty, yeah. they would have rejected it for not being substantial enough for a 22- or 24-minute TV show. It's nothing there. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So here's Ebert's quote. Ebert labeled it as one of those movies so dim-witted, so utterly lacking in even the smallest morsel of redeeming value that you stare at the screen in stunned disbelief. It is moronic beyond comprehension, (laughs) an exercise in desperation during which even Sylvester Stallone, a repository of self-confidence, seemed to be disheartened. 
Did he seem disheartened though? I actually think, honestly, funny enough, Sly kind of showed up to this movie. It's the lines are terrible, the story is terrible, mm-hmm. but Sly, in his own weird way, didn't really dial it in. He gave as about as much as a comedic performance that he kind of can give. This guy's not Robert Downey Jr., okay, mm-hmm. or Mel Gibson for that matter. When it comes that to might have been Sly just reacting, you know, being frustrated with the situation he got out of his thin. Because most of the film, Bamowski is frustrated. So it might have just been Sloan's real life bleeding out onto the screen. There are certain actors that are made for comedy, right? But there are certain actors that you can tell are not comedy actors that are trying their hand at comedy. And that, sure. that was totally Sloan. He seems like a fish out of water in this. I think he's a funny jovial, easygoing guy in real life, I don't think he's a comedic actor. Not at all. And I think sometimes, maybe in his career, he's confused the two. (laughs) Where he's like, hey, people laugh when I tell jokes. Uh, Maybe I'll be funny on screen. Ironically, his Rocky character is funny. The the jokes that Rocky Mm -hmm. gives as a character in a film that's a drama, they make me laugh out loud for real. Why do cows wear bells? (laughs) Because their horns don't work. Sure. That's good stuff. That's comedy gold. (laughs) But the other movie that was up for a vote this time was also Death Race 2000, which he is really funny in. Well, there you go. Okay. Is it? Well, first we've got to ask the question, guys. When was the first time you saw this film? I Maybe I saw it once, maybe on cable in the mid-90s. Yeah. I might have watched it for the first time for Slycast. (laughs) Oh, wow. I watched it opening day 26 years ago. No, you did. I did. You saw this in the movies? Oh, yeah. I have seen every Sylvester Stallone movie in the theater that has been theater released since 1983. You and Mike Kunda. Yeah. I mean, I remember the trailer for this movie. And I remember thinking in the 90s that this looked like shit. <laughs> like, there was no way I was going to the movies to see this. Look, I didn't say I was smart. I just said I saw it in the theater. Oh, man. Well, I, I do want to take this moment, since we're talking about the theatrical experience, to give a a call out to, uh, I guess, a Twitter follower. I don't know if he's involved in the Facebook groups or not, but uh Andy. Craig, he's in the chat right now, so give him a oh, shout out. Cool. What's up, Andy? And I got to tell you, I bagged on this movie pretty hard on Twitter when when the results were still not finalized, and, and Andy chimed in and sort of you know, told a really cool story about seeing this movie with his grandmother. And it, Mm. it softened me up a little bit for this movie until I sat down to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Andy, I hope your grandmother's rested in peace, but this movie sucks. (laughs) Andy actually said that she was the youngest. Estelle Getty was the youngest on the Golden Girls. Yeah, I caught that. That's pretty crazy. Maybe I knew that too. That is wild that she was the youngest, Mm -hmm. but they give her fake gray hair, I guess, and the makeup work. I got fooled. We also have uh, Walt Murray. Of the Wilder Ride, Gene Wilder, um, by the minute podcast says he saw it in the theater when it came out. So, so I guess it was just him and you, Ryan. But no, you, you guys didn't have anything else to do in 1992. <laughs> Apparently not. Hey, man, I was uh, 17 years old, single, and ready to mingle, brother. <laughs> well, that was the last place you'd want to be. Say <laughs> so you're gonna go find chicks at stop where my mom will shoot. <laughs> Me, me and Walt tr- cruising the streets together, yeah. And uh, Walt Murray, we're going to try to get him on the show at the end here because, give a little tease here, Walt has an argument that Cliffhanger is worse than this movie. 
We're going to let him come on live and make his case if the connection works. I've never added anyone to chat while we've been in broadcast. We'll see if it works. If not, he'll at least type it out in the chat. So stand by Walt for that. He's going to make his case later on at the end of the show here. I don't know what he's going to say, but that's a bold claim. Cliffhanger is worse than this. Yes, that's his claim. Wow. 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 Now, how's that for a tease, eh? I do got to say that this movie starts off, I and I think I said this on the Slycast, though, but I love that little opening animation. I think that's that's really cool, and I, and I think maybe it was trying to give us an idea of the tone and the direction this movie was going to go in, but all of that goodwill was, like, almost immediately lost. My note was right away, you can tell it's a comedy with the opening animation. Can I also touch on the um, the music? Alan Silvestri, who is a renowned uh, composer who did the likes of the Back to the Future score... I see your dog. Do you? Yeah. Is it? Oh, he popped up. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> yeah, you won't hear him bark. <laughs> hey, who's the hot lady in the background there? Yo. <laughs> She's trying to hide, so. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Nothing. We didn't see you. Hide behind your man. <laughs> Now, yeah, Alan Silvestri, he's a renowned composer, and I was actually trying to notice the score throughout this movie, and it's terrible. It's well, terrible. Yeah, and the other thing, Doug, is we recently sat down for Slidecast to talk Judge Dredd, which when I finally get enough discipline to sit there and edit it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll, be re- it'll be released. But uh, Alan Silvestri did the music for that as well, and... On that Judge Dredd score, you can hear Alan Silvestri. And if I didn't see his name at the bidding credits of this movie, I wouldn't have guessed it was him. There's no hint of the, you know, the thematic elements or the instrumentation or the, you know, the peaks and valleys he sort of uses in his scores. And maybe there just weren't moments where he could do that. Like you, the soundtrack, I didn't know it was Alan Silvestri. I checked Wikipedia while I was watching the film because I got so, I had to get my eyes off the screen at some points. So I went online to see how it made and who directed it. And uh, I saw it was Alan Silvestri did the music. I had already listened to half of this movie so far of the soundtrack. And I'm like, oh my, he's one of my favorite composers. I love his stuff. He did Young Guns 2, which is one of my favorite films all the time.
I love his music. That weird, well, I don't even know how to describe the sound of the song. Because it's, that one? <laughs> it is the worst theme I've ever heard in a major motion picture. In a way, it's almost like a good thing because, like, you, as a composer, I'm sure you don't want to be pigeonholed because, I mean, as good a composer as John Williams is, you can tell when it's John Williams. You can tell a John Williams score. You can tell a Danny Elfman score. Right. But this, I mean, is so different than anything Alan Silvestri has ever done, as far as I'm concerned, that, oh, my God, I, I, I'm trying to throw the guy a bone. Like, I don't want to say no. it's like a good thing <laughs> that it's, this is it's, it's this just making a living at the end of the day. I mean, sure. of course. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm not so going to begrudge the guy for making a, for making a dollar. The movie starts off with a <coughs> legit kind of like sting, you know, it, it, so it has a comedic opening of the cartoon. And then we got this like stakeout. It's nighttime. The stakes are high and they're looking for the bad guys. But then the dialogue right away ruins any kind of real tension that the scene could have had because, sorry, in five minutes, three times Stallone's character, which his name is Joe, so we refer to him as Joey throughout the rest of the film. Joey kept saying, the bad guys are late. The bad guys are always late. The bad guys are late. Can you believe these goddamn bad guys are always late? You know, it's always the same with you guys. You show up late, then you start asking dumb questions. First these guys show up late, then they ask dumb questions. Shoot my partner in the is that supposed to be funny? And is it funny to say the bad guys are late three times? Well, isn't that the rule in comedy? It's the ancient Roman rhetorical device, the rule of three. You put things in three, it makes you sound more credible, convincing, and compelling. Just like that. You get the rule of three all over the place. And it's not just something in language. We get it in music. We get it in design. We get it in architecture. There's just something about the human brain. We love getting things in threes. Three times. <laughs> But no, <laughs> it doesn't work here. Yeah. Well, the other thing about this is this was just like the stock cliche Hollywood cop opening scene. It was like Beverly Hills cop, but on a lower budget. <laughs> okay. So this film made in today's money, 112 million, but in today's money, it would have cost about 65 million, 60 million to make. Well, Estelle Getty was also no slouch here. I mean, she was. She was a hot commodity, oh, you know. And I'm amazed that she didn't make more films that capitalized on the Golden Girls. I will say, hot take, Estelle Getty wasn't that bad. I was going to say, it's almost like she knew what a joke this was, and she played it exactly to that. Who else could have played this role? Like the Where's the Beef Lady, maybe? Stallone's mom in real life. <laughs> She's that a actually would have been an interesting movie with Jackie Stallone. <laughs> Maybe well, Betty White. That like I, I oh, can't yeah. think of anybody. Betty White. Yeah, maybe Sharon That's about Stone. it. <laughs> Was um, what's her name? I love Lucy. Lucia Ball. Yeah. Oh well, that would have been. But you know, Estelle Getty though she actually did okay. I actually went into the film falsely remembering or thinking that she was going to be annoying. The movie itself is annoying. The movie itself is not good. But her character, ah, it's a typical overbearing. 
mm-hmm. mother and is played like a sitcom. It could have been worse. She could have been worse, but she wasn't that bad. With all the problems I have with this movie, she was not it. No. <laughs> some of the scenes she did and some of the dialogue she did, we'll get to. Okay, well, let me say one scene. Her showing the pictures to co-workers, the people on the plane. There's a little boy by the pool. It's Joey, only nine years old, and all those muscles. Look, you can already see he's going to have very nice equipment. Oh, don't be embarrassed. I'm an old lady, but I'm still a woman. What's the big deal with the photos? Does anyone ever get excited? Think of your best friend. Think of the person that you're closest to that is not a family member. Do you, would you legitimately get excited about seeing their pictures when they're kids? Like, would you get excited, crowd around a table? Oh, look, there's Doug. There's Doug in his diaper. <laughs> no, I, but, I like, but... I like you guys, but if you show me pictures of you when you're, I maybe would be curious. Oh, that's what you looked like when you graduated. Cool. Listen, it's not about that. If my mother were to show you embarrassing pictures of me as a child, you would be all over it. That's what the difference is. Mm, maybe. Maybe that's the key. Maybe, Doug, you're giving credit where credit's due. Fair enough. <laughs> but people are crowded around this desk at work. Like, <laughs> What is this, the chicken box? <laughs> Hey, it looks very good in spots. <laughs> I, I guess there was no internet back then, and that's how they saw photos, you know, sharing the photos in person. And they're all getting excited. She carried them with her in this, like, extended wallet. He was very small for his age. I was not small for my age. I was average height. I was your height. What's the big deal? Yeah, right. I bet she's got pictures. I've got pictures. Wait a minute. <laughs> she's got pictures. Oh, please get rid of the pictures. Is he adorable? Mm-hmm. So, Wait, did you see what one of the pictures was? Yes. Should we get to that later? Oh, go ahead. No, we're going to go. We're, we can go in semi-order. But so, like I said, if something comes to your head, just, just say it. That was the Stallone picture, his third grade picture that we saw in Rocky that he pulls off the. Uh, Does he tell you Stanley when he was a baby, Adrian? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The he's very like, same. Yeah, and it's the same photo, and I think that photo, and he's done he's done this before in films where he's reused real photos from his childhood in film, which is fine. It's just mm-hmm. we as avid viewers of Stallone films always catch it. That's I that. expect nothing less from Rocky fans, though. <laughs> I expect no, for sure. Let's talk about that gunfight at the beginning. It's pretty pretty amazing. That was Bing Rains, right? I'm telling you, man, I don't trust this dude. Should have checked him out. He could be a cop. Get your hand out of here. There was, and I, I actually thought that he was going to be a bigger part in this film than he, he was. Should have been. He, he should have been. Yeah. But there's one thing that uh, that takes me out of a movie commentary during a gunfight. I, I would say for the listeners why that why you have a special interest in this. Well, uh, what because I'm a police officer. <laughs> I've never been in a gunfight. Okay. Uh, God willing, I never will. But oh, yeah. a gunfight is one of the most stressful things like a cop can go through. True. Like unequivocally, like there's no argument there. You know, he's shooting at these guys. He's, he says, police stop. Police stop! And then the guys run away and he's like, oh, nobody listens. Nobody listens. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, come on guys, come back. Yeah. yeah. The, the guys hide behind this pile of cars or, or metal or whatever it is. And there's a big sign hanging over them and he shoots this chain. It's at that night, Doug, right? It, it is at night. He shoots what kind a chain of shot like is that. Oh my god! It's, it's a, a million to one. Talk about that chain shooting sequence because it comes into play later in the movie. 
Yeah, it's a chain. A chain is like you know everybody knows how how thin a chain is, and he's about twenty five, thirty, thirty five yards away. At there's night, no way <laughs> at night. There's no way you're hitting a chain fifteen times in a row the way he does. It's ridiculous. It's zero it, I don't, percent, zero percent chance. They would have been better off having him just hit the guys in the legs or the butt or something. Yeah, and I thought that too. Is like this is excuse the pun over the top hitting and hitting. <laughs> Hitting both sides of the chain too. Do you, Ryan? Do you you um, train firearms in the military? Yeah, yeah you have to. You, so, yeah, absolutely. That's two of us that can understand how difficult it is to shoot. Yeah, I just that. do a six-hour six training and C seven training. That's what I train in. And Craig, you live in Vegas, so you have to know how to shoot too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For protection. Yeah, I actually went before I moved here. I vacationed here. I went to one of the various gun stores uh we did the iraq pack we shot like five different guns that was the uh the day that i gained an immense respect for weapons and what they can do oh yeah america (laughs) i think i shot a an m50 i want to say doug oh wow which 50 caliber (laughs) wow yeah I think there's pictures on my facebook if you you go in and see me (laughs) posing with the guns if one of those pictures is you, like, uh, mid-flight as you're blown back off your feet, <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> the bar scene after the shootout. So all the cops are at the classic going to the bar, Doug, just like you guys do. After every, after a hard day of work, you guys always go to that bar and talk about cop stories. So, Doug, go, go ahead and tell us what you guys do after every time a shift ends. Well, oh, hold on. First of all... Yeah, after a shootout, there would be no going to the bar. There would be probably about 15 to 20 hours worth of investigations and paperwork. There's no going to the bar directly after. But, you know, this is the movies, and uh, right. it is the 90s. So, yeah. He's calling his mom on a payphone. Mm-hmm. and the- We don't know that, though, right? Well, okay. <laughs> We're not supposed to know it's his mom. I mean, now my question for you guys is: Have you called anybody, mother included, where if it rings fifty times, you're going to stay on that line as it rings, even if you knew she was hearing it ring? Jesus, Joe, she's not in. She's in. I know it. And why don't you answer? She knows it's me, Al. She's just sitting there watching the phone ring, not answering. I can feel it. She's trying to grind me down. I know it. <laughs> You're crazy, Joe. You're out of your tiny jersey, man. <laughs> uh, no. <clears throat> That's a short answer. <laughs> yeah. So is that supposed to be funny as a viewer that this is happening on screen? Is that is that for comedic effect that the phone's ringing and she's just packing her luggage and not answering? We're, we're supposed to think as a viewer, <laughs> oh, funny. No, okay. that's – listen, Ryan. You, listen, you have to understand 90s comedy at this point. That's not what you're supposed to laugh at. You're supposed to think that that's some female that he's calling that's not answering. So he obviously pissed somebody off. So it's like a misdirection. I, okay. I think you're giving it too much credit. I really do. I, I am. I, I'm listen. I'm I'm looking at it as a viewer of '90s comedy. It's a misdirection. You're supposed to think it's a female. Hey, well, this comes yeah. Well, this comes into play because the next sequence, they're at the police station, and we find out that Gwen, the lieutenant, 
Now, Lieutenant, uh, is he a sergeant? Uh, Joe, is he a sergeant in this film? That's what we learn. Yes, a sergeant. And that's what your rank is, right? Yes, my rank is a sergeant. So, yeah, you and Joe have the same rank. That's amazing. Well, he's a so, detective sergeant. I don't oh, know. Is that different than what you are? He's right. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm just a... We got uh, a man down. We have a man okay. down. Go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. You're saying uh, he's a different kind of sergeant? No, I, no. I mean, detective sergeants are sergeants in the detective bureau, and I'm a patrol sergeant where... It's a different assignment. Same rank, different assignment. Okay, cool. Okay, that makes sense. I got it. It's the same in the military. We have all familiar ranks, but different jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. So we find out that Gwen and Joe had a fling at some sort of vacation and they're in the office, the classic. They're having a little uh, romantic dispute in the office with the windows open. Everybody is looking in. So Doug, I want to keep asking you questions because you're a police officer. Do they have offices like this where the lieutenant's in the middle kind of thing and everyone can see through the glass while they're talking? to people and you can see arguments or flings happen in a glass office. Does this happen in real life? At least at your precinct? I guess it depends on the department, but our officers that have offices, like our captains, our lieutenants don't have offices, but our captains have offices and they're kind of closed off to like the rest of the building in our place. No, there, there wouldn't be a, an office where you can see things happen as they happen. Okay. All right, Andy has to go. Andy, talk to you later, brother. Thanks for joining us, and listen to the audio release. I'll be in full later or come back to this video anytime you want. Okay, so the reason why I bring this up is because there is one funny line. There's a, This is the first funny line. There's two moments in this film, and there's one moment in this film where I legitimately laughed out loud. I, hmm. It was real laughter. I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. If you stay Stallone in the diaper, I'm, I'm disconnected. <laughs> You're out. <laughs> no, that was not my legitimate LOL. Okay, but this first <clears> one is <throat> actually a clever line. I think when this movie was written, and we forgot to talk about the screenwriter. But there was three of them, three yeah. screenwriters it took to make this masterpiece. But this is actually kind of a good line. I liked it. Maybe it's a sitcom type line, but I liked it. They're, they're fighting in the office. Oh, come on, Gwen. If this is about the bus... I am not talking about that fiasco you call a bus. I am talking about you going out and getting drunk with your buddies while I sit up half the night worrying. Oh, Gwen. I can't believe you didn't call. Honey, it was late. I didn't want to wake you. Hold this. All right. Hold the file and make it look like we're talking about police business. I don't want the entire precinct knowing about us. Gwen, the detectives, I think they know already. <laughs> She's like, we gotta be more private or they're gonna, you know, they're gonna figure out what we're fighting about. And she goes, they're detectives. I think they figured it out. So I thought that was, that's pretty good that, you know, she's trying to hide their fling and their affair. So I, I thought that in of itself was, I give that a seven out of 10 for a chuckle factor. (laughs) Please don't tell me that was the number one. No. Was there any moments that you guys legitimately laughed that you thought was legitimately funny? Nothing. Craig, I'll, I'll defer to you. Craig is really silent during it. He's like, he's already exhausted his views on this on the slide cast when they did this episode. No, he's, he's like legitimately mad at me. I think he is. <laughs> I've been getting hate mail. Okay, Ugh. so the funniest scene in the whole movie, I actually rewound it and watched it again. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, this is funny to me. You can't I'm, contain yourself. So, you know, during that car chase, right? They're driving that car, uh, uh, Stel Getty's at the wheel, and Stallone's... 
<laughs> Stallone's the passenger. <laughs> Craig doesn't want to crack. He refuses to find anything funny about this film. <laughs> okay. So we go through this whole big chase sequence, you know, Estelle's at the wheel and she's going through traffic and going crazy, whatever. But at the end, they finally crash into that big garbage bin. <laughs> There's nothing in there. I already looked. The guy says, I already looked in there. Yeah, he goes, there's nothing in there. I already checked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was so good. I love it when they show homeless people in movies. So, so the funniest woman really had nothing to do with Stallone or Stallone. This guy had one line. This guy stole the show. And we don't even see him. No, we see him there. He's standing there. There's a guy standing there. Like, we don't see him after the scene. It's a far off yeah. shot, too. No, I'm really saying Alcoholic, yeah. gravelly voice. Like, yeah, there's nothing in there. I already checked. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, wasn't that funny? Yes, it, it, I'll give that. I'll give that credit as a clever line. Yeah. Oh man, so because it's not a Stallone line. No, Stallone did not write that line. Okay, do you guys have anything else that was funny that you want to share? Uh, no. Um, did you know <laughs> Gwen, the uh, lieutenant, is Joe Beth Williams from Poltergeist fame? Yeah, you know who she almost looked like? And I thought it was, I thought it was the girl from Sex and the City at first. Hmm. Uh, what's her name? Um, I don't, Cat, Cat? Is her name real? Uh, you're barking up the wrong Kim tree. Cattrall. Yeah, Kim Cattrall. She looked like her at first. Come on, guys, mm-hmm. Sex and the City. <laughs> nope, you're on your own here. I haven't seen an episode. Mr. Big. No. <laughs> so the, uh, the comedy here, okay, comedy in quotes. So she says to him, remember what I told you when we were wherever on that balcony on in Tahiti or wherever the hell they were. Oh, they said Catalina or whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh, Cat- oh that's California. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. All right. So they're on a balcony in California. Uh, remember what I told you Sunday morning when we were sitting out on the terrace? That you like to nibble all. Not that. that. That was the first man to ever. Move. Not that. The other stuff. Oh, the feeling stuff. Right. And he said, yeah, that you liked when I nibble on, you know, not that, uh, that I was the first man to make, not that. So, <laughs> right. all right. I mean, yeah. are we, we're, so we're supposed to laugh at that. No, we're supposed to laugh at the sterno bum who, <laughs> who already checked the garbage can. <laughs> oh, Listen, the writers legitimately wanted us to laugh at that. It's terrible, but it, I think it's the show that they've had a relationship that's gone to different places and they're sexual with each other. And so it's now on the rocks because he's still crazy about her. I guess we're supposed to have some sort of feeling that there's a real relationship here to be had. And there's a real relationship that's on the rocks that mom fixes by the end of the show. And that brings up an interesting question, Ryan. Do you think that this movie needed to be a comedy? Like imagine reframing this shooting it like a drama, performing it like a drama, changing right. the title, obviously, to not be Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, right. but have it be about a guy and his relationship with his mother, which has sort of impacted his life as an adult. 
they could have made a legit decent drama out of this script. Okay. With all the same actors? <laughs> okay, Craig, I'll meet you halfway, okay? No, I get what you're saying, but maybe not a drama, but a dramedy, and that's a real thing. Yeah. That fine line of there's, you could revamp this. You actually could road trips with a senior person. So the junior person are always kind of funny. So these films are out there. The idea of the age gap difference, the people meddling in people's love lives. These are all tropes that are working a lot of films that with the right cast, the right, the right acting. Sure. A meddling mother at the police force who kind of gets in the way, but makes things work for her, uh, you know, middle-aged son who hasn't gotten married yet, and he's trying to get his name on the police force. All these other things. Sure, there's a there's somewhere in there. There's something that could work. It didn't happen today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go, Las uh, Vegas. <laughs> Keep your head down, Craig. It, it wouldn't be an episode, right, if the uh, sirens weren't going. What is going on in that town, Craig? Why aren't I, you ducking? I actually live in a, a pretty active section of the city. The street I'm on is a connector, basically, to a pretty major street here. So a lot of times they're using my street to get to where they need to go. Well, you said the um, there's a, a gate or a fence or something that separates you from <laughs> from the ne'er-do-wells. Yeah, but I sent you guys that text the other night when I was walking the dogs outside the gate yeah. of safety, and yeah. there's been a Corvette parked in this lot for yeah. uh-huh. well over a week now that hasn't moved, and it's still got all its tires, which makes me feel a little safer. That's good. That's It's probably a bait car. I, well, that, that was my other thought is, you know, I'm not even going to get close to it for fear that I might get baited and, and end up on TV. And, you know, one of the fun, funniest moments so far of our podcast this season was when... Jay said, like, he just pictures, like, the other side of that gate that you're talking about being, like, the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Or, or, he said in his words, the Beat It music video. Oh, Jason Haynes, we love you. Shout out to Jason, who never listens to the show. To Jason Haynes, a friend I don't even know. Okay, so... And actually, since we're, we're looking at comments here, Jeff Ferry on the Facebook thread commented... Isn't close to Stallone's worst and isn't even probably top five worst. So, uh, Jeff, we're going to have to have a talk, uh, when, next time we get together because obviously you've got a wrong dosage of medication or you took a bump on the head or something. So, he's so I just want to make five yeah. films in his career that are worse than this film. Well, yes. Jeff, Jeff Ferry has stared straight into Stallone's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I can, I can honestly. <laughs> Say that he's correct. Maybe this isn't the worst. And you're speaking, of course, of a party of Kitty and Studs. Yes, of course. If you could look at Stallone's butthole and really come out of that undamaged. Okay, can we talk about Stallone's butt for a second? I Well, actually, when we're talking about legitimate worst movies, I would say that I've only seen it once, in fairness, and I haven't had to watch it for Slycast yet, thankfully. I remember my experience watching Avenging Angelo being just a brutal one. You guys oh, talked about it, didn't you? Yeah, uh, we, uh, it was it was reviewed on our show on the Going the Distance podcast, Rocky mm-hmm. Series podcast. Yeah, it was uh, reviewed. I'll do my best not to uh, put that up as my next. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. For next. Uh, <laughs> we should just do months. three of the shitty movies like Avenging Angelo, Detox, and. I don't know what Shade. else. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we're doing stubborn. My mom will shoot now, so we'll get that one out of the way. Okay, so when the mom comes to the airport, 
I thought we were going to talk about uh, Stallone's butthole. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Stallone's butt. I don't know how to describe this, but there's a sequence in the film, and I took a screenshot out of it. And if any of our listeners want to see it, I'm almost hesitant to put it on Facebook because it might be banned. But (laughs) it looks like a woman with her butt in the air. (laughs) So mom is at the apartment cleaning his room at three in the morning, cleaning the living room above him at three in the morning. So now we know that he lives like some sort of two bedroom condo, which is amazing. Uh, in uh, whatever part of the world he's, what, where does he live again? What city? I thought it was L.A. Yeah. Okay. So he's got a, so that's a pretty decent pay for a cop to have a pretty nice two bedroom condo, wouldn't you say? Or two two yeah. story two story yeah. condo. Totally. I so, mean, I don't know what real estate is like in L.A., but uh, it's if it's anything like the Pacific Northwest, it probably ain't cheap. And so to have a two story condo is pretty ritzy, I would say. She's vacuuming above him, and he flips over onto his arms. And he's wearing a shirt, but he's wearing like briefs, the speedo type briefs, and they are tight on his buttocks. And he puts his butt in the air with his head down, like he's five years old, covering his ears because of the vacuum cleaning. This shot was more gratuitous than anything filmed in the specialist. I have anyone want to help me out here why this was filmed, why this was okayed. When they looked at the dailies, they were like, yeah, sly that. Those are rock hard buttocks abs you got there. I, I don't understand it. It doesn't even work for a comedy. No, because it's creepy. If you're doing a comedy, you can have him in some cheesy, corny pajamas or something. I don't know. Instead, we get him reenacting like the Catherine Zeta Jones under the laser from Entrapment. I think Sly's got a tighter butt than Catherine. Yeah. He's he might be a bottom. That's all I can. That's all. I can. No, it, it's he, it's did, he, like, he did say he did say oh make it stop. It's, <laughs> it's almost like he has no other opportunity in this movie to show off any part of his body. He's gonna use this to why why wouldn't he wear boxers and then have his shirt off? That's now, fast forward a few minutes later in the film, he's now nude in the shower. He's pretty nude. They pan down. When he's standing in the shower, of course, the mom walks in while he's showering. Could That's you true. imagine ever, you guys, ever at the age of 46 or whatever age you are, now I'm 43, having a conversation with your mother in the doorway while you're naked in the shower? Nope, 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 nope. Like, nope. Eh, nope. It, you don't have anything you haven't seen before. Mom, would you turn around, please? Both of you? Good. Uh, Pixie and I thought we'd pop into the station this afternoon, you know, see where you work, meet a few of your friends. Oh! Did oh, you cut yourself? God. No! Do you need some iodine? No, Mom, no! You want a band-aid? No, Mom, listen, go into the station. Totally out of the question. Absolutely unequivocally. My mother was been a house guest here within the last two years, and I'm pretty sure when I took a shower, she like went out. She was like, "I'm gonna go for a walk." Like, like why, why is Craig taking 20 minute showers just like when he was 12? Like, I, she went she went into the beat it zone. <laughs> oh yeah. no, no, Craig did. <laughs> Where is this episode going? Oh my goodness. Anyway, so there's a sequence here where Sly is again naked, and you see like the top half is his butt crack. So you see like you see his butt. So he's nude in the scene, and the, as they're filming, and then when he turns to the left or whatever, you see quite far down his groin area. I'm like, wow, they're yeah. actually going penning quite deep. Either he's 
naked in the shower, which is all legit. Estelle got a good view or. No, he was wearing one of those, probably one of those socks. Yeah, those, uh, you know, was, like it water, was it those... a waterproof sock or? <laughs> it's a baby sock? <laughs> it, it, it's gratuitous. Uh, yeah. like he, he might, he must have like a clause in his contract. Like I, you, you have to show this percentage of my body at some point in the movie. It's right. Oh, it's bad. It's so, it's, it's unfortunate. The shot of him, like, on all fours with his butt up in the air, it looks like a woman. He's wearing like, he's wearing like a half shirt, right? Well, and it's no, like the briefs with that cut, like, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I know. like I said, if you're bad. making a comedy, you, you put him in pajamas, corny pajamas or something, or even like feety pajamas, something that, I, that would make you laugh. That would make sense for a comedy. Damn. <laughs> So there's that classic scene that was in the trailer, and I remember when it was in the trailer, and then it played out in the movie just like it played out in the trailer, just hilarious. The mother is tidying the house, tidying everything up, and she tidies up the gun. Mm-hmm. So she finds the gun, Doug, in the laundry hamper. Have you ever put your, uh, what do you call it, uh, when, when a gun is registered to you as a police officer? What do you call that? A gun? <laughs> No, no, what's the term called when it's like a when service it's revolver or something? Service weapon? Service weapon? Yeah, but I mean we know that it's your weapon. This is the this is the weapon you take home. Do you take these home at the end of the day or do you leave them at the precinct? I, I leave it there. I, I have weapons at home. Okay. Have you ever put one in a laundry hamper? No. <laughs> nope, no nope. responsible gun owner would. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so she picks this thing up and takes it to the sink, but before she takes out the laundry hamper to clean it. She points the gun at her head to look down the barrel. I was legit like, don't do that. That is A, it's not funny. And B, if any kid sees this and and doesn't even get the humor of this, just thinking this is how we inspect the gun. She had her finger on the trigger. Yeah. She's pointing it right at her head. My alarms went off. You know, I'm not a professional like you, but I do have weapons training. Pointing a gun, no matter if it's safe or not, or does, I mean, whether it's ammunition in it or not, Pointing at your head for comedic effect. This was, it was neither funny. Yeah. And it just, to me, I don't know. I, maybe it's just my old self now. I'm just so, mm. oh God, no, but, like, but Ryan, the one thing you did mention is no, if, if a parent is showing this to their kid, there should be some serious discussions with that parent. Right. Pointing a gun at your no, head. The movie no, 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 she's showing this movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Craig. Sorry. I'm so focused on the, uh, yeah, you're right. Funny joke, I'm late to the party. I apologize. <laughs> uh, can I point out one thing early on when they first walk into the apartment? Did you see there's a painting on the wall? Did you guys catch a glimpse of that? No, do tell. Oh, okay. All right. It, it's a, a baseball player. The painting says Leroy Neiman on it. Leroy Neiman, anyone? Yeah, that's the famous Rocky. Uh, oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Wow. Wow, another Rocky crossover. And wasn't he the announcer in Rocky Four? He was, Ivan yeah. Ivan Drago. Yeah, the guy with the mustache. <laughs> Not only does Bamowski have a, a two-story condo, right. he's able to afford original Leroy Neiman print. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Detectives don't make that kind of money. I don't know. Do they, Doug? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I was reading something. Say that again? Oh, no, I was just saying, I don't think a detective in L.A. in 1992 could afford a two-bedroom condo, and it was a big condo with that kind of original painting. I don't know. Maybe he can. Maybe he can. Maybe he's... At the time, a lot of those cops were on the take, so maybe. Yeah. 
Joe was a clean cop. He was definitely a clean cop. He was too goody, too short. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walt bailed out. Walt Murray from the Rider, Wild Rider podcast, or what's that show called? The Wilder, Wilder yeah. Ride. Yeah. Anyways, he, uh, he bailed. He wanted to apologize, but he has a family issue that he has to deal with. Probably some snotty kid or his wife told him to stop podcasting, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> she said enough. I know. Both Doug and I have wife said, what, what do we say in our last recording? They've, uh, they've given us permission, but they haven't given their approval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Long sticky road. We got to talk about the scenes now. We're getting near the hour mark. So we want to start getting to, uh, scenes that kind of made you go, hmm. We've talked about some already. Uh, there was the jumper scene, right? Yeah, there was the uh, suicide oh. scene that's been played out in the 90s in movies all the time. Remember, the Lethal Weapon did it best when he jumped with the guy. Mm-hmm. That was a great sequence. But yeah, this one, uh, any thoughts on this one, Craig, how you feel it played out? Well, I, you know, they went with the, you know, it's the guy was so sympathetic to Sly's plight or Bamowski's plight that he no longer wanted to end his life. Hey, kid. How you doing? How you doing? You all right? Leave me alone. I don't want anyone touching me. You stay back. I swear to God, I'm going to do it. All I want to do is come out there and talk with you. Don't you tell me what to do. You stay right there. I swear to God, I'm going to do it. Stop here. I know I'm not your mother, but I am a mother. Oh, no, no. I was thinking you could talk to me if that's all right. Officer, this is serious up here. Hey, let it talk. What do you want? I just want you to know that young man next to you is my son. And God knows you and I have had our difficulties. Mom, stay out of this, okay? Joe, wait for the crowd. Mom, God damn it. Hey, you don't swear to your mother. Hey, butt out. Hey, my mother, relax. Hey, it's your mother, so you do what she tells you to do. Now, come on, you start waving or I'm jumping. Start waving. All right, I'm jumping. Start waving or I'm jumping. I'm waving, see? Mom, hi. By the way, Joe is still single, and he's a very nice boy, a little rough around the edges, but nothing that the right girl could do that. Officer, secure the megaphone! Anyway, when Joe was little, we were fighting all the time. You see, he was very small for his age. I was not small for my age, I was average height. I was about your height, what's the big deal? Yeah, right. I bet she's got pictures. I've got pictures. Wait a minute. <laughs> she's got pictures. Oh, please get rid of the pictures. Uh, is he adorable? Anyway, I'm Jesus, and I thought I had things bad. Not close. Excuse me, I think I'm ready to go in now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about the inconvenience. No problem. This is Leslie Carter for Channel 8 News. We've just arrived downtown at 4th and Main, where a man has gone out onto the ledge of a building, apparently despondent about his mother. So there there was a joke there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wanted it in my life, but then I see this poor schmuck has that mother down there. Boy, his life is rough. I am not jumping because there's people worse off than me. Has anyone who's ever committed suicide, I guess we can't ask them, has everyone who <laughs> committed or attempted, and this is kind of serious, has anyone, has anyone ever stopped because somebody else was worse off? Usually suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, or whatever it might be they're going through. I, I So this is to play out on a film like, oh, I want to kill myself, but I'm not going to because somebody has a uh, overbearing mother. <laughs> it plays as a joke, but really, it's not a joking matter. And no, people that are desperate enough to do that uh, really think that, like, they have it as bad as it can be. And there's no no one who has it worse than them. 
Craig, would you rather stand on that ledge for an hour and a half or watch this movie again? <laughs> I'll take the ledge all day, every day, man. I jumped off the stratosphere here, so I can, oh, I yeah. can, I can handle that. Hey, Craig might actually go through it, then, <laughs> then watch this again. Oh, I'm off. telling you that <laughs> there's no other reason for me to ever watch this movie. It's it's been done on Slycast. It's now been on, done on this. Once we do a movie on this, it's retired. We can't That's do it, it again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is it. So, I'm never uh, watching this again. It's getting buried in the desert. Yeah, with uh, with all those ET video games. <laughs> Should we get to the uh the gun purchase where uh crux of the plot, right? That sort of listeners, I don't think any of these listeners of this episode if they're gonna listen to this whole thing care about the plot, but sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well the writers didn't. No. Ryan mentioned when mom cleans Joe's gun, she ruins it. All right. Yeah. And uh so, so to make up for that, she goes downtown to the seediest part of town to buy him a new gun. Some guy talks her into buying a Mac ten Uzi. <laughs> Here, here, here. Uh, what about one of these? You see Miami Vice, right? This is a Mac 10. All the big drug dealers love this gun. No, I don't think that's exactly my Joey. Are you kidding? That's a full automatic. You know what that means? 30 shots in two and a half seconds. You can cut down trees with that thing. How much? 500. Ha! Huh? Huh. I'll give you a three to replace the the uh, pistol that she that she ruined. <laughs> and she thinks that's a good idea but immediately after she buys that she sees uh the one guy get killed and the other guy take off in his van so here we go act 2 you sure. know sure act 2 takes off she witnesses a murder she's a key witness it plays out in the film that they're able to track down this gun wrestling group or whatever gun dealership group uh they faked a fire to get money on the weapons they still have the weapons so they're selling, selling them illegally on the street i guess it was a deal gone bad and she witnessed it and yeah she helps him solve this crime being that she was a witness she ends up in the police department where he right. works as a witness and that's where she's showing his co-workers the pictures and embarrassing him and he wants nothing to do with it right? uh, comedy <laughs> Craig, what do you got to say about the plot? It's a plot, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think having the mom sort of be the, the catalyst for the main story is a good idea. Is it? <laughs> Though, in this movie, I, I would say it is. Because, I mean, mom is is the catalyst, right? She's She's like the thing driving the plot, right? Because yeah. otherwise, it, it would be Joe in, in his everyday job in his everyday life so mom comes in she's she's the one that throws a wrench into joe's everyday plan she's the catalyst she's the uh, mcguffin i don't want to say mcguffin because that's the movie itself is a mcguffin well yeah but i mean the the overall uh, yeah i mean i I think you could probably call that that plot a mcguffin really because there's really no serious payoff there right i mean it ends but (laughs) There's no real stakes ever, right? I mean, there's no ticking clock or, you know, or, or ticking bomb or countdown clock. I want to push us a little bit forward to the wrecking ball sequence. Hmm. <laughs> Craig, <laughs> you guys can see his face. Okay. The idea here is, is before we get to the wrecking ball sequence, through a chain of events, doesn't really matter. It's not important. Joe and his mom 
They go to the main bad guy's lair, quiz this guy about the racket that he's running. And the guy says, yeah, you know, you want to go check out the warehouse where the fire happened? Okay, we'll take you to that warehouse. Well, I still can't figure what it is you want. What I want is to go down to the warehouse and take a look around for myself. You got a problem with that? Do you have a warrant? Does your mother have a warrant? No, but I'll tell you what I do have, young man. I have a good mind to take down your pants and give you a spanking you'll never forget. Do I go down to the warehouse or do I go get a warrant? Yes, would you please give the detective the address of the warehouse, the one where we had that terrible fire, along with the keys and whatever else it takes to get him in there. Thank you very much for your time, Mom. Let's go. For now, you can keep your pants on, Mr. Parnell. But just remember one thing. I'll be back. Oh, please. What, do I embarrass you? Embarrass me? I'll be back, please. Can a cop say that? Don't say that. For a minute, you say that. And so they send him to this other warehouse where it's rigged to be demolished by some literally wrecking ball crew. Now, I'll give one thing. You don't see enough wrecking balls in movies. I miss, <laughs> I miss wrecking balls in movies. We have almost like a video game sequence of a wrecking ball trying to kill Joe and his mom in this warehouse, coming through the wall on the side, coming through on top, mixing it all around. You know, they're dodging it and what have you. And then there's one sequence where, sequence where, of course, it smashes through the wall and Joe shoots again another chain. So he shoots the chain of the wrecking ball five or six times, breaks the wrecking ball. The, the big cement part lands on the ground safely, thus not being a threat anymore. This guy can shoot like the Dickens. Any uh, any thoughts on the wrecking well, ball? Well, how thick of a chain does that have to be to hold up a, a wrecking ball that's got to weigh over a ton, right? I guess thick enough to hold a lot of weight, but thin enough to be shot by a bullet. I, I'm, I have nothing to say. <laughs> After they get rid of the wrecking ball, we're getting, boys, we're getting there. We're getting to what everyone saw in the trailer, what the title of the movie is. The sequence oh. is coming. It's coming. So the wrecking ball opens up a big hole in the side of the wall. And Stallone, or Joe, has already expended most of his rounds on that wrecking ball. Thus, he's out of ammo. Oh, and his yeah. mother brings a gun and the guy is running away and he's like, stop, you know, I'm shooting you. Stop. But he runs out and he keeps running. So she comes around the corner, points her weapon down at the bad guy. And, she, and Joe sees his mom holding the weapon, pointing it down at the fleeing person who's now no longer a threat. And he yells out, Enough! Or my mom will shoot. <laughs> you want to just fly, uh, fly the line from the movie in when this is an audio version? <laughs> you don't even want to say it. I can't. Okay. And the expression on Stone's face is part acting, part this is ridiculous, and it rightfully is so. Mm-hmm. He goes, Enough! Or my mom will shoot! It was so poor so terrible that I actually laughed out loud. I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I was watching this. I was embarrassed for Stallone. I was embarrassed for the audiences of 1992 who sat through this. You were embarrassed for a 17-year-old you? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I wish I could have interviewed 17 year old Ryan and said, dude, when that happened, what did you think? I must have sunk in my chair or buried my face in the popcorn because it wasn't funny. We knew it was coming and it wasn't funny. Anyways, anytime they announce the title of a movie within the movie, it's always a take you out of moment. Mm. Unless it's the Matrix, so that's all they talk about. But it just, it's always weird when the title of the movie is, is said in the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, we used to actually play a game when, when I went to the movies a lot in the late 90s, early 2000s with a buddy of mine. We would do an over-under guess oh, okay. on, on whether they would say the, the title of the movie and then it would be under 40 minutes into the movie or over or whatever. And each one of us would take the over-under and then, uh, it would make bad movies sort of fun okay. because then you're, you're waiting, you're watching the clock and then also waiting to see if they're going to say the title of the movie. I wonder if I hadn't seen the trailer. If you would have given an honest guess that stop or my mom will shoot would have been said in this film, what would your over-under be on this? Would you have just guessed once or would you have guessed it would happen at all? You know, if you hadn't seen the trailer, I wonder what our guess would have been. I I would have went high. I would have taken the over, whatever it was. If if, let's say 40 minutes, I would have taken the over just because it seems like that's sort of a a line you build towards. Oh, they did. And the payoff was zero. (laughs) The payoff was negative. Stallone almost looked ashamed when he said it. He well, still we, cashed the check. Yeah, oh, he did. <laughs> did he ever? <laughs> well, again, that movie cost $45 million to make in 1992 money, which is about $65 million today. I would assume $20 million went towards his payday. You know, though, throughout the entire movie, I mean, you, you want to ask the question, how did Joe's mom get in possession of a gun to where he would even say, stop or my mom will shoot? He's tried to lock her up on a few occasions where she can't interfere with his day-to-day business. And every single time he, she thwarts that she escapes from whatever, you know, whatever gimmick he puts her in. And there she is to ruin his day over and over and over and over and over again. It never hilarious. It's not hilarious. uh, Speaking of Schwarzenegger, did you catch the Arnold nod? Yeah, I'll be back. For now, you can keep your pants on, Mr. Parnell. But just remember one thing. I'll be back. Oh, yeah. please. What, did I embarrass you? Did you embarrass me? I'll be back, please. I heard a cop say that. Oh, don't say that. Terminator say that. Yeah. Somebody tells me Craig didn't rewatch this film for the Did you rewatch this film for this uh, episode? I, I did, but I was multitasking, so... Okay, so the sequence, this, I had to rewatch. There's no way I could talk about this without rewatch. I haven't seen it in 26 years. Now, again, much like The Specialist, there's a reason why I haven't rewatched this film in 26 years. The memory was enough that I, this did not re, uh, need repeat reviewing. She says to the bad guy, now she mentioned earlier in the scene that she wanted to spank him for being a bad boy. She, she's obsessed with taking people's clothes off or having to see adult <laughs> men's clothes off. So she goes, Keep your pants on for now, but just remember one thing. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. That did remind me of uh, the discussion we were just having, reminded me of what I thought was a genuinely funny mo- moment in this movie, and it's the frying pan gag. <laughs> where she hits the big heavy guy with the beard with the frying right. pan. Not and once. Then they, and then they let him go, and he goes to get his keys, and I guess you know he's going to go do something bad, and then he gets the frying pan again. Um, now, was he off to do something bad, or was he just getting his stuff and going home? He was fleeing. He was leaving the country. Oh, is that what, yeah. The, back to the I'll be back, because there's some dialogue that happened after. Did you catch the dialogue? 
when he says, oh, you have to say that? I'll be back. And then she goes, don't cops say that? And then he goes, no, Terminators do. <laughs> That's a little meta, little meta kind yeah. of mind screw right there. Now, wh- when did this come out? Was this a summer movie? This is 1992, and uh, Terminator mm-hmm. 2 was 1991, wasn't it? It was 91. Yeah, it was, was it 91. Not- yeah, because I remember, I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan. And Use Your Illusions 1 and 2 came out in 91. And it did? This, yeah, in this, this yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, the song You Could Be Mine was used yeah. for Terminator 2. So that was, yeah, so Terminator 2 had already done its huge box office success a year before this film. Hmm. So That's very much in the ethos, very much in the ethos of the writers and Stallone, of course. So for her but to he say, I'll be back in the first Terminator. Yes, he does at the cop station. Wow. Yeah. 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 That was from 84. Yeah, so he says it once, and he said, well, he says, well, he says it in both movies, and he says it again in part three, and then he said, okay, it doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. Uh, um, it doesn't have a, a release date. It doesn't? Uh, not on IMDb, it doesn't. Okay, I can go back here. It was released February 21st, 1992. That is always a, a hot weekend, February weekend. <laughs> so, so, so odds are T2, uh, when they were filming that, hadn't, it probably wasn't out yet because T2 came out July 4th weekend, 1991. Want to hear a crazy thing? Audience polled the CinemaScore audience, I guess at the time. They gave the film an average of a B plus to an A plus. What, what movie? Stop or I'm almost shoot. Get the f out of here. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. CinemaScore.com. Usually they ask these people, they uh, ask people to rank the movie just after they've watched it. You know what? If they had asked me, I probably would have been like, yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny. And I would have given it a B. (laughs) We're losing Craig. Okay, so Craig's asleep. I think Craig's asleep. He might be. (laughs) Nope. He's sleeping. Or is it frozen? It might be the cat frozen. He's sleeping. (laughs) Oh, no, he's gone. He can't take some more. (laughs) He left. <laughs> we thought Craig fell asleep. I, I don't blame him. I don't blame no, him. My, my internet decided uh, it had it had enough and said you need okay. some downtime. I do have a list of the rules that, oh, okay. that Joe gave his mom. So they reached a point in the film, of course, that we knew this was coming when Joe would just have enough of his meddling mother and he made a list of rules. Now, the original list had nine rules because two rules were added on the fly, okay? He went to his mom. I love how he made a, a list of nine, but it ended up being 11. Mm-hmm. Here we go. He goes to his mom. Hey, I've got I've got some rules for you. He had a piece of paper just like this. Just, I know this is hard for you because you can't help yourself, but if you want to stay here, I've drawn up a list of rules. I don't like the tone of your voice, young man. Rule number one, never say you don't like the tone of my voice, young man. That was rule number one. Rule two. Number two. You've written down a list of rules for your mother? Exactly, and don't interrupt, son, here. Number two, you cannot interfere with my love life ever at all. What, she didn't like the flowers? Oh, yeah, they they were a big hit. Rule number three. Three, don't clean my house. Rule number four. Four, don't iron my underwear. I actually had a friend whose wife did iron his underwear. It's a lucky man. Yeah. Terrible. The the bad thing was he's still wearing it at the time. Just joking. See, there's some humor there, right? Rule number... Thanks. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> rule number five. 
Five, all the little embarrassing things that happened to me when I was a kid, you can never tell a living soul. Now, just a minute, Joe. No, 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 this is non-negotiable, not a living soul. Rule number six. Six, you don't clean guns, you don't buy guns, you don't shoot guns. Makes sense. Rule number seven. Seven, here's a public safety message. No driving. Mm. Rule number eight. Eight, never say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Number nine. And nine, the photo albums... They stay in Jersey. Anything else? There's Jersey again. What's Stallone in Jersey, eh? It's weird. I think every movie we've covered has been a Jersey reference. It's crazy. Rule number 10. Yeah, for Doug, Jersey. Rule number 10. And Craig. Uh, oh, you, no, you both, you're, you're from Jersey? I lived in Jersey for 25 years. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> Mazel tov. All right. <laughs> uh, rule number 10. Just 10. Sometimes. Just sometimes. Forget I'm your son. Treat me like a human being. Well, you can't treat me like this, Joey. Oh, yes, I can. Here's the list, Mom. Now you think about it. And lastly, rule number 11. This one was on the fly, like rule number one. Because I'm going to tell you what your problem is. Rule number 11. Never start out any lecture with, I know what your problem is, because I do know what my problem is, Ma. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) This is insane. This was written for the screen, and he delivered them. And he delivered these, and she's listening, and and I'm like, all it does was send her to the airport, and then she comes back and saves the day at the end of the film. She shoots the bad guy, she saves his life, saves his marriage, or, or, or his relationship where he eventually gets engaged. Mm-hmm. She does it all. Correct? But how much of that is screwed up because of her? Well, well yes. Course, yeah. because he There sh- wouldn't he have been a relationship that he was saving... Because he wouldn't have been calling his, trying to call his mom. So she creates all these problems that she fixes. She's like right. the cat in the hat. No. Oh, in, yeah. in the end, he, he seemed to have all of that under control until she shows up. They take her hostage. But in the end, somehow, like she, she has. How does a, she find out where to go? She has a goddamn dirty Harry pistol that she yeah. pulls out. <laughs> what would the kickback been on that for that little lady? That would put her on her ass. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's question. holding it like this in front of her face, right? Mm-hmm. And the kickback, it would have, she did not have the strength or she was not holding the proper position where she, that would have mm-hmm. kicked back to right to the forehead, knocked her down, just like you said, Doug. Knocked her down and broke her orbital. What are the rules for civilian to shoot another civilian in that situation? <laughs> <laughs> are we in Florida? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, actually, let's reverse back to the first. Remember the scene? Remember that classic scene, guys? You have to remind you, stop her by bubble shoot. Remember that classic scene? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's shooting at this guy as he's running away. My question to you, Doug, you're a law enforcement officer. If she had clipped him and hit him while he was running away as a civilian, what would the charges been on her? Oh, my God. It, like, it depends if the pistol's registered and to who. I think it was, yeah, it was from his glove box. So, I mean, we can assume it's registered to him. So, uh, he gives her permission to use it. Oh, oh my God. There's so many levels. There's no way. There's no way that this is a good shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime she pulls the trigger, there's no way that it's, uh, justified. None. Zero. If you saw your mom, Doug, pointing a gun at a fleeing suspect, would you yell out, stop? No. <laughs> what scenario would you it's, ever? It's do? mom. Put down the f- 
gun. <laughs> put down the gun. Put down the gun, mom. <laughs> put it down. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get how he, as a detective in a police force, could allow his mom to shoot a weapon at a civilian right away. The first two thirds of the movie, like mom was interfering in his life, and she he couldn't stand her being around. Right then, all of a sudden, they have this moment where. He starts accepting her and he's like, you know, okay, so maybe everything that you have done was in my best interest. And then she starts interfering again. And like now, now all of a sudden they're on the same team and she's, she goes from this like lovely old lady to now she's Robocop. Right. Like carrying a, a giant pistol and, and using it against bad guys. I mean, look, look, granted, you would do anything you can to save your own child sure and he was about to get murdered in that last scene before she pulled out you know the dirty harry but i mean i mean come on no you're bringing you're you're bringing your mom to a shootout stop there was one scene that was actually kind of brutal in its own weird way it was when the guy got chucked out the window (laughs) oh yeah yeah because i'm thinking of the after effect this body fell about four to seven four i tried i actually did went back and had timed the length of fall it was a good fall, and he would have splattered on that pavement. So th- there's people in the bottom to see this body again. Doug, speaking as a police officer, how much of a suspect would the guys five stories up be seeing a dead body out that window? They must have figured out how. <laughs> like, I love that they could just casually throw a body out a window and go about their day. Like the cops won't be coming very shortly, knocking on the door saying, "Hey, uh, there's a dead person outside your window, like from five stories up. We're just knocking on every door that lives uh, five stories up here." Well, according to the main bad guy, they all wrote suicide notes, right? Hey, boss. Chap. Huh? There you are. Take a look at this note, will you? I'm very sorry about my life and crime. Could not live with myself anymore, Jay Parnell. Well, what do you think? Well... I think you've been under a tremendous amount of pressure lately. You know, I think you may be overreacting a little. I mean, we got the weapons, we're going to South America tomorrow, and clearing a lot of money, I mean, why, why, why are you so depressed? I, I'm not actually going to kill myself. It's part of the plan. They read the note, we disappear, and then they don't come looking for us. Wow, that, wow, that's a good idea. I don't know. That's a great idea. There's one here for you, too. You sign that, and uh, we can get out of here. Oh, did they? Yeah. Wasn't that... That was part of the thing. Like, the main guy, Parnell, whatever. Is that what what he was signing? Yeah. He was saying... he, He read this suicide note that he said, we make it look like we killed ourselves, and they're not going to come looking for us. I pulled a Craig. I fade, I faded out that I was doing, uh, <laughs> I was doing research during that scene. So when the yeah, bad guys the were on screen. Yeah. So yeah. shame on me for paying attention. No, good for you. No, you pull, you pull. That's great. So that's why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they had a suicide note ready. Okay. Hey, I stand yeah. correct. Each wrote suicide notes and they were going to skip town thinking that like, if they think we killed ourselves, then, you know, they're not going to come looking for us. The dopey, uh, you know, the guy who was in Jurassic Park. <laughs> He he was like, oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh, what's that out the window? And they threw him out the window. <laughs> oh, okay. But there are a couple of things I want to talk about at the very end here. Um, we lost Craig. We lost Craig. Well, Craig is just where we poor guy has suffered through two podcasts talking about this movie. Oh yeah, right here. The when they come back from the airport where they've made amends, they're going to their room. 
out of their uh, to the to their room uh, to their apartment. Uh, Joe says, "Mom, I swear this is gonna be the best weekend we ever spent together." There is not there is not a scenario or situation in the world where I'd ever have something to compare one weekend to the next with my mother, let alone where it's just me and her walking up the stairs. And I'm like, mom, we're going to spend the best weekend together. It's not only creepy, it's weird. And I, like, I love my mom. She's listening to this podcast. I love my dad. I love all my family. But I can't even think of the best weekend I've had with my own wife, let alone, <laughs> let, alone <laughs> let alone, like, let alone your mother. Like, how exciting is it to be with your mother where you're going to have the best weekend? Thoughts, guys? Your mothers? Do you have best weekends with them? No. <laughs> I have lots of fond memories of sure. time I spent with my mom, but yeah, no. But do you rate the weekends where you could say this would be the best? Can you have a? Do you have the top five weekends spent with your mom? I'll have to get back to you <laughs> next episode. Okay. <laughs> top Did five anyone... from all of us. Okay, so now the end sequence, the big climatic sequence is they're they're chasing down the plane. Did anyone catch the, uh, the the mixing of over the top in the rig? And yes, okay. And so Stallone is driving another rig. Seven mm-hmm. years uh, previous, he did an over the top, so he's now doing it again. Very, and, very, very similar to yes. the dump that he drove in over the top. Absolutely. Yeah, so he's driving the over top rig, and did you notice how he played chicken with the plane, much like he did mm-hmm. with the tank in Rambo Part Three? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was a tank versus helicopter. He was in the tank, and this one is rig versus plane. Now, I'm not a, um, what do you call it, uh, a physics major. I would have taken my, I would have taken my chances staying in the rig and knocking out the wheels of that plane. I think the impact on the rig would have been less than the plane. What do you guys think? Like, in fact, what I would have done, again, I'm not a phys, I'm not a stunt driver either. I would have gotten as close as I can to the plane, swerved the rig to the right, and it had the plane hit the rig broadside. But what kind of velocity is the plane traveling at? I mean, it's you a lot of risk. And there's got to be a lot of weight associated with that. I told you I'm not a physics major. I mean, a plane's it's, landing on it, so. Uh, the other, the other sequence that was actually not bad. I will say this. The one sequence wasn't bad was when the, the blades of the plane were going through the rig front. That, that, that was actually looked okay. That, that was a decent 1992 action sequence of the blades cutting through the rig. And well, the, it's an action movie director. There you go. Mm-hmm. Good call. So that was actually legit. <laughs> like if you were to like go back in 1992, they were to show you the daily of that plane versus rig sequence, just that daily. And that's all they showed you. And they said, this is the next action buddy comedy with Stallone and his mom. And here is one of the action sequences. You would have been like, Oh, we might actually have something here. This, this is pretty decent little action sequence. Keep in mind, it's 1992, but that's all we get here, folks. That's it. This is a Stallone vehicle. I know it's a comedy, but the Lethal Weapons perfected the formula. All four of them perfected. I love all four movies of Lethal Weapons. They perfected the formula of comedy, uh, buddy relationship comedy, you know, like even people with different who are at odds with each other. So you got the odd couple comedy, you've got the action, and you've got a story to tell. They perfected it. Stop her, mama, will shoot, destroyed it. They, you know, if you look at the description of the movie on Wikipedia, it says it's a buddy cop comedy. But who's the buddy cop? Joe and his mother. I, I guess if you're filing this away in the blockbuster, you'd put it in the buddy cop section, right? Yeah. Is uh, Forty Eight Hours? That's a buddy cop movie, right? Even though Eddie Murphy's not a cop. 
Heck yeah, it is. And they nail it. 48 hours nails it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So guys, I'm at the end. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm the jumper on the roof right now. I'm ready to throw myself down and land on Estelle Getty's face. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got to say that this ended up being a lot less painful than I thought it would. And anytime I'm sitting down chatting with you guys, it's always a good time. We ultimately won. Yes. There are no losers in this. <laughs> no, I, listen, I, I, I would have to extend my apologies because I threw this out there as kind of a joke submission. And <laughs> lo and behold, here we are. Hey, guys, let's make a pact. When yeah, we're preparing movies for next month, we all submit a movie we genuinely like and, okay. and defend. All right. All right. Fair enough. I actually Absolutely. I have one in my head, so fair enough. Okay. I wish Walt could have been here at the end of the show. Really, oh, whatever came up, I apologize because we were going to have a discussion with him at this point where he was going to tell us how he figures Cliffhanger is a comparably, if not worse, film than Stop or Mum will shoot. If you guys want to harass harass him online, his full name is Walt Murray. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the hosts of the Wilder Ride. That's right. He's got a he's got a Green Bay Packers symbol on his Facebook. So <laughs> look for the Walt Murray on Facebook and say, "Dude, come on, stop her!" My mumble cliffhanger. All right. So uh, okay, well, let's close up the show with telling who we are. I'm uh, Ryan. I am one of the hosts uh, with along with my brother of the Rocky series podcast going the distance. We're pretty much a weekly show. Uh, we're on season four covering Rocky four at the moment. We've got interviews. We've got movie breakdown, you name it of Rocky and Stallone. And this show it will be on that feed as well because uh, yeah, it belongs there too. So again, I love you guys. And thanks for, thanks for doing this and plug yourselves too, please. I don't want to plug you plug yourself. Go ahead, Doug. Uh, all right. I'm one of the hosts of Rocky Minute. Uh, we're a daily podcast. We release five days a week. Uh, we're covering the movie Rocky two currently one minute at a time. Uh, you can find us at Rocky Minute on all your podcasts, any podcaster that, that you have. We also have a Facebook listeners group, Mighty Mix, where really most of our action occurs. So come join the fun over there. And I'm part of Slycast, the Sylvester Stallone fan podcast. And unlike Doug, who's putting out an episode every day, we put it out an episode maybe three times a year. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And what we're doing is we're going through Stallone's filmography, film by film, and uh, having uh, thoughtful discussions about him. And actually, possibly before you get the audio feed of this, you'll find uh, Judge Dredd in your Slycast feed, which is our next film. And we had a great discussion with Jeff Ferry and my buddy, Captain Marvelous, who, ironically enough, was part of the Slycast Stop or My Mom Will Shoot episode. Oh, Um, oh, look at that. Yeah, and then we also have Mike Kunda's thoughts on Judge Dredd at the end. So uh, that episode, like I said, should be out soon. That's a movie that a lot of our listeners were looking forward to us getting to. Myself included. If you're listening to this live... Um, just, I'll, I'll have you know that Craig is, uh, our guest in the next full week of episodes starting on Monday. So five days of, uh, me, my partner Jay and Craig. So, and pancake talk, I, I'd imagine that it, it, among other things. <laughs> I look forward to it because I'm, uh, I say it every time, but I'll say it again in case there's a new listener to this episode. I am a personal fan of the Rocky Minute and Psycast. I've listened to every single episode they've ever released. So I'm a legitimate fan of you guys. You guys do a great job. I, I hope our listeners enjoy this episode. Oh, and I want to say it does work. So I got an email, Doug, from a listener of my show who 
who said because of our show, they've gone over to sort of listen to your show from the beginning. So crossovers do happen. And, um, yeah, right so, I, yeah so I, I can't say it enough that if you're listening to my podcast right now and your earbuds on iTunes, go check out Rocky Minute. Go check out Slycast or found on iTunes, whatever app you're listening to this show on, you'll find them as well. And I can't say enough good things about these guys. So there you go. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, right back at you. Absolutely. All right, guys. I'm going to stop the broadcast. See ya. Cheers. Uh, so Walter wasn't able to talk to us live. And so don't send him any hate mail uh, just yet because he did send me a voice recording of his thoughts on cliffhanger versus stop or mobile shoot. So without further ado, here's Walter on that. And again, don't send him any hate mail. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you guys having me on for a couple minutes and letting me uh, share my thoughts on uh, a little bit on Stallone and a little bit on these two, uh, two movies. When y'all posted today that you were going to have this uh, opportunity uh, for us to listen to y'all talk about uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and what your thoughts were on it, I, of course, had to uh, jump in with my two cents and let you know that my least favorite Stallone movie is Cliffhanger um, and definitely over Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. And the reason that I feel that way is that um, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot was originally... Uh, written and uh, put out as an action comedy and kind of a family movie. And Cliffhanger was put out as an action adventure movie. And I don't uh, think that it really accomplished what it was going after. Uh, in Cliffhanger, I never really felt drawn to the characters that much. I never felt like I was um, on the edge of my seat waiting to see what happened. I thought it was very predictable. Uh, the characters were even cliche for a Stallone movie. And at least in Stomper My Mom Will Shoot, there were some comedy elements and uh, some good family elements to it, I guess. Um, Stallone is Stallone in both of them. He uh, has two very different parts, obviously. But I actually like him in both of them. I, I like both movies, but I think that Cliffhanger is, is one of his weaker ones. And uh, I wish the acting had been a little bit stronger. Uh, I wish it had been a little bit better written. But I, I think that they never really accomplished what they were going for. I also kind of felt like at the time that they were just trying to capitalize on uh, Stallone's um, growing uh, um, uh, his, his growing power and force as an a, a action adventure actor, and uh, I just don't think that they reached the level of some of the other movies that came out around that time. So. Uh, that, that's, those are my two cents. Of course, I've been a big Stallone fan since the beginning. I saw Rocky when, uh, the second week it was out. My parents saw it the first week and took us the second week and have, have been a big fan ever since. And, uh, I just thought that this didn't really live up, a uh, cliffhanger didn't really live up to, uh, Stallone and, and what he was trying to put out at that time. I don't think Stop for My Mom Will Shoot did either, but at least it accomplished, uh, checking the box on comedy. Uh, if you want to hear a little bit more from me and my podcasting partner, Alan Sanders, we host a podcast called The Wilder Ride, where we're looking at the works of Gene Wilder. Last year, we went through 106 episodes going minute by minute through Young Frankenstein, which, of course, is a, a Gene Wilder comedy classic from the 70s. And uh, next year, we'll start in uh, probably February releasing some um some of our episodes on Blazing Saddles, which of course is another great Gene Wilder. We've also done a special on Poltergeist recently, 
and we're wrapping up Christmas Vacation, and on January 1st, we'll release our exclusive interview with Beverly D'Angelo uh, on her experiences doing the vacation movies and some other things. You can find us over at www.thewilderride.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thewilderride and then ask to join our listeners group and you can get in and uh, hang out with us there and uh, catch up on what we're doing. So again, guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I hope to uh, hear more from you all in the future on some of the other great Stallone films.